Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Today we'll meet Heather, a 45-year-old cisgender female who describes herself as lesbian, monogamous, perimenopausal, and in a long-term domestic partnership. She has four daughters, ages 6 to 15, and describes her body as a little pudgy. Like many of us, Heather grew up assuming she would marry a man and have children. So she did. But sex was never a particularly good experience. In fact, she says during this conversation that she could tell you the date and time each of her four daughters were conceived. Then she had sex with a woman for the first time, and her life changed forever. Today, she lives with her female partner and co-parents with her former husband. I am so pleased to introduce Heather. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you for being with me today. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Leah. This feels like such a, what's the word I want to use, risky thing to do? <laughs> oh, which is, I believe, why you are having an alcoholic beverage while we are speaking. No, I mean, maybe. <laughs> so Heather, I start every um, conversation in the same place. What is your first memory of sexual pleasure? First of all, I... I love I love everything that you that you do and no one's ever asked me that question so I've never had to answer it but I did recently have a a conversation that revolved around this. I remember being 5 and discovering that when the bath water was running out that felt good <gasps> down there. Yes. Oh yeah. my god, yes. Yeah. And I was like, well, if the bath water feels good down there, then what happens if I just touch myself down there? Uh Um, Which worked also. And then I remember being doing that on the couch in the living room with my mother going, oh, Heather, we don't do that. I was like, why not? But I stopped because then, I mean, I didn't stop in general, but I stopped doing it on the couch. And it's funny enough, I shouldn't tell their stories on here, but many of my daughters have also discovered that at an early age. And we've had a lot of conversations where I say, cause I don't want to say we don't do that, but I say um, we do that in, in private mm-hmm. in the bathroom or in our bedrooms. And if you share a room with your sister, when you're alone in your bedroom. Yeah. I actually, I, cause this is a question I get from a lot of moms. Like how do I raise a sex positive child or a child yeah. who has a positive relationship with sex? And one of the things that I talk about is this is a way where we can start instilling the idea of boundaries and consent yes. with our children and say, um, other people 
who are in the room have not consented to see this. And we want to respect their boundaries. So this is something that you do in your bedroom. And that's a really non shameful way to to start introducing that conversation. I like that. I've never used the term consent with it. But I do often go, that feels really good, right? They're like, yeah, I'm like, I totally get it. Like, (laughs) it does. Yeah, but it's personal. It's private. Mm -hmm. It's for you to do. But I love that. You know, when they get older, they might want to share it with somebody else, and that's fine. So I don't want them to think that that they can't do it then if they want to. So I like the the idea of of sharing the words consent. Mm-hmm. So you started masturbating when you were around five ish. Were you coming to something that you would now recognize as an orgasm? I don't recall. Maybe I don't know. I it's funny. I or. Not funny. I have very limited childhood memories, mm-hmm. which people would like love to tell me I was somehow abused. And, and maybe I was, but I, I don't, I really don't think so. I don't have a great memory like as it is from day to day. So I don't know. <laughs> um, but I do remember, and I could be skipping ahead here. Sorry. That's fine. Um, so you've already told everybody that I identify as a lesbian, but I didn't for a really long time. And I didn't come out until I was much older. I already had kids, all of that. As I was coming out, though, and people were like, did you know you must have always known and I didn't always know? Um, I started to remember moments in my life where maybe I should have figured it out, like the teenage or maybe preteen neighbor. Um, we were playing doctor and she was the doctor and I was the patient And it was like, I'm pretty sure we had like what I would now consider lesbian sex, like, Mm. which is actually just sex, but that, you know, like, (laughs) but I didn't know. And I absolutely had an orgasm. And I remember doing that and then going, I think you should do that again. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was, yeah, the the age, it's somewhere between 10 and 12, maybe the age Mm -hmm. is a little fuzzy. And I think she was a couple years older. And so did you continue doing that with her? No, I only remember the one time. And then I don't ever remember seeing her again. And was that something that you were like, I got to find somebody else to do this with? Or it just was like a one and done thing? Yeah. And I literally didn't remember it until, you know, like five, six years ago. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, I say I just didn't, I never, I never knew any lesbians and I didn't find them in college. And maybe it would have been different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then you wouldn't have your kids. That's exactly. It wouldn't change a, a thing. Not yeah. one, not one moment of my life would I change. Yeah. So, um, after that first entry into uh, experience with another person, when did it happen again? When did you engage with another person sexually again? Um. Wow, this is good. I my memory is so crappy. Um, that I can easily identify would probably have been in middle school with a guy I think his name was Mike is that bad I don't remember I remember being we were in a van with friends and somebody's parents the kind of old school van that like the back was a bed uh-huh. you could pull a curtain and then there were seats in the front right do you recall oh wow yeah and and he fingered me with other people in the van yeah Wow. Yeah. That's ballsy. I'm a gutsy girl. I don't know. Or stupid (laughs) one. I don't know. I would not want my daughters to do that uh, because, you know, there were other people in the van. And also it was very young. Um, I wouldn't want that either. And then I remember 
this is so gross. It's not gross now, but it's gross to think of him doing this when we were that age. Uh, when we got up, because the curtain was pulled, right? And when we got up, he looked at his friend and he smelled his finger. <laughs> and now I go, perhaps it's assault-like. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, it is, uh, yeah, that's very performative. <laughs> right. That's I'm like, oh, it's gross. Like, it's not gross. I don't find the smell or the any of that gross. But I think as children, which we were, he was trying to brag. I don't know. It was yeah. it felt gross. Did you feel gross in the moment that it happened? Or is that just looking back at it? Yeah, no, I think I did. Yeah. yeah. Did you do anything with him again? Do not recall doing anything with him again. There were so many boys on my way to find out that I liked girls. <laughs> so tell me the stories. So many. There were so many. I, I, I had sex with so many different people because I kept thinking they make movies about this. Like they write whole books about this. It's supposed to be amazing and it's not. So I got, it's just the wrong person. I got to keep trying new people and it wasn't ever. And I had some relatively good sex with men once I got older, but it was nothing like having sex with, with a woman, like not even like the first time I had sex with a woman, I was like, Oh, now I get it. Interesting. Instantly. Huh. I was actually afraid to have sex with a woman because sex with men had been so difficult. And I had been fantasizing about sex with women for so long that I was like, if this is bad too, then the problem is actually me. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah. 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 Um, I did eventually get over that. <laughs> that's good. Good for you. <laughs> So, uh, so how were you? I mean, were you when you say you were having sex with lots of people? Was this happening through high school and college? College for sure. High school, there was uh, sexual relations. I like to pull out, uh, you know, a Clinton term. There, I did not have <laughs> sexual relations. I was like, that is straight up sexual relations. Just gonna say um, with a couple of different boys in high school. Once I lost my virginity, I was 16 when I lost my virginity. And, and so you'd already been figured at that point. So we're talking I about had, but actual not actively penetration. A, correct. Okay. Yeah. And I don't, well, he and I probably do that. I don't remember at all, but I, it's not like I had a, a lot, a lot of people do that, but I'm sure that the boy I lost my virginity to that we did that before mm -hmm. penile insertion. Um, but that I knew right away was not an okay situation. We'd been dating for a long time with, I liked him. We were at his home and his mother went out to get fast food for dinner. And she was literally going to be gone like 15, 20 minutes. And he said, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I said, oh, we don't have time. He was like, yeah, we do. First of all, here's your sign. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I've mastered the art of really hot sex in 15 minutes, but now I'm, you know, almost 45 and I know what I'm doing. Right. I didn't know what I was doing then and I didn't do anything. I said, okay. And he did. And then it was all done and I couldn't do anything about it. And I went home and cried. Mm. Did it hurt or was it just unpleasant? It didn't hurt. I just knew that I had let him talk me into something that I didn't want to be doing. And so now that we talk about these kinds of things, I've had the opportunity to talk to my kids and say, that's assault. 
if you pressure somebody into saying yes, that's assault. They don't have the right to do that. Yes, you can say no, but it is hard to say no when you want a boy to like you and you're 16 and you feel like he might not like you anymore afterwards. It's scary to say no. You have to have a lot of confidence unless you've been told over and over again that you have the right to say no, which I'd never had any kinds of conversations like that with anybody. Yeah. Right? So uh, it that's assault. If somebody pressures you and you don't feel like you really have a choice, that's not okay. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of conversations were you having in your home or were you getting sex ed at school? My mom told me you had to be married to get pregnant. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, it didn't take me long to figure out that wasn't true, but that was that was her line. She now is like, I don't know why I did that. It's so dumb. Like, and my parents divorced when I was nine weeks old. So I think my response was, but you and daddy weren't married. She's like, yes, we were. Uh, um, no conversations. My mom's version of the talk was putting on a really good Oprah show about teenage pregnancy. Huh. Okay. But they were teenagers. <laughs> so presumably they weren't pregnant. <laughs> uh, they, I mean, they weren't married. They were not married. I know. By then I knew better. I'm just saying like that. Okay. We didn't have any conversations about it. No, she told me that when I was little, and I've, it didn't take me very long to figure out that that had not been a truth. Uh, and we just never actually had a real talk. Uh, was there an idea that you didn't have sex until you were married? or We never talked about my sex life. We never talked about me having sex or not having sex. Uh, when she started to figure out that she knew I was having sex, she took me to the doctor and got me on the pill but we still didn't talk about it. Mm. Did you want to? Probably not. Yeah. I don't I mean, I love my mom, but we didn't it wasn't this big warm conversation where I whereas I do think at least my oldest I believe that she will want will talk to me about it whether she'll be comfortable or not, she'll feel safe. Because she's shared with me the other choices she's made and some of them she's regretted and um how she handled it and what she wanted to do moving forward. So I feel very lucky that I've been able to to forge that relationship. Good. And what about sex ed? Were you getting that at school? Yeah, in high school. Well, what was it like? Was it useful? I mean, it was biology. It was basics. Um, I don't remember much about it, except that I do think there was a lot of... um, I remember remember one high school assembly where the principal told all the girls that no farmer's going to buy the cow if he's getting the milk for free. (gasps) The principal said that. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. So it was still uh, 100% our responsibility. Yeah. All of it. Um, And also, lots of people buy the cow when they get the milk for free, which is gross because they called us all cows. But right, like whatever. I, I actually told my my kids, I was like, you need to test this shit out. Like, do not marry somebody you haven't had sex with. That right? is a terrible idea. Yeah. Because if the sex sucks, you're screwed. You're stuck. Yeah. Or divorced. Because this shit <laughs> won't last long. Right, right. So you... Uh, as you've alluded to, you now identify as a lesbian. Were you, were there people in your orbit who were lesbians? Like, did you even know that that was a possibility? 
Yes. I did know it was a possibility. I knew gay men. I didn't know gay women. Uh, there was one woman that I briefly met at a party in college. I do remember there was a thing. I, I felt a thing. But it, <laughs> I didn't ever see her again. So I didn't do anything with the thing. And I didn't pursue the thing. And um, And I always knew... I always knew that I felt women attractive. What I didn't know, because the way women talk to and about each other is so, oh my God, she's so hot, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know that the way that felt to me was different than the way it felt to a straight girl. Yeah. That was where my disconnect was. Because I was like, we're all saying the same thing, except I would actually like to go down on her and they wouldn't. That was really the difference, you know? <laughs> I think I've actually heard some version of that statement from every gay or bisexual woman I've interviewed. Really? Yeah. Because I've never heard anybody else say that back to me. Oh, I felt that same way. I thought that we all just thought women were beautiful. Yeah. That that was just a thing. And because we are all sexualized to see women as beautiful yep. and to see them as sexy, that's how they're marketed to us. So the idea that not everybody wanted to spend their time looking <laughs> at them the way that I wanted to look at them. Yeah, I had no idea. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we've talked about high school, and it sounds like it, it doesn't sound like you have, were having relationships. It sounds like you were having short engagements. I I, did, I dated a couple guys in high school at length. There's one in particular, and I and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And I don't know why it's on my mind. I really don't. So there was, there was the guy I lost my virginity to. And then there were two other sort of serious boyfriends. Um, there was an awful lot of sex in places where there were other people now that I think about it that I just haven't spent <laughs> a lot of time with. But I, 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 at one point I had a group of friends who were pretty crappy friends, quite frankly. They just were not the cream of the crop. They were rich kids. I wasn't. And they were spoiled little brats and they were just dying to go out and cause trouble because their lives had been so oppressed, you know, and, <laughs> um, and so we started hanging out at Hooters and they started budding up to people, the, the, some of the young men who were working in the kitchen. Hmm. And I met a, a boy, a man, young man. I was in high school. He was older than me. And we would all, three girls, three guys, we would all sneak our, or oh, those of us that were in high school, sneak out of our house at night. And the boys would get a cheap motel room hmm. and everybody would have sex. And I distinctly remember it hurting so badly, being bloody and swollen every time, which interestingly enough never stopped him and i'm trying to think like doesn't that hurt if it if it's doing that to me how can that feel good on your penis mm -hmm. right i let him he was not assaulting me but i was not self-aware enough to know that if i wasn't wet i did not want this i had no idea and i and i haven't thought about that in years and i'm not mad at that young man i'm not he didn't I mean, maybe he should have known, I, he, maybe he should have been more self-aware, but he, he did not force himself on me. Mm -hmm. um, but lately, I think of that all the time. And maybe just because I have kids around that same age now, and or maybe just because I'm learning more about myself, and it's hard to think, why did I let that thing happen? 
Why did I do that to myself? What did I want? Well, how, how was I that desperate for attention? I felt like I must have needed that attention so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, totally aside. So there were re- relationships in high school, um, but they bit they passed like all the others. I mean, they both of them lasted, both of the long-term ones lasted over a year. So they were decent. Oh, okay. And then in college, I had two very serious boyfriends. And then in, before and in between them, there was casual you know, relationships. But um, nothing nothing floated my boat. I mean, I tried. <laughs> I The first guy was an asshole. He was uh, super emotionally abusive. And I'm working on a, a memoir right now. And I actually... I changed the names to protect the not so innocent, but um, <laughs> interestingly enough, my college roommate, who I only talked to very occasionally, reached out to me a few months ago and said that she said, "Do you ever think about so and so?" And I said, "I do not." And she said, "I work with him, like I see him in my industry regularly, and I want you to know that he knows." What he did to you was wrong. Wow. He's got daughters now and he's sorry. And I said, I don't spend any time thinking about him, but I'm glad to know that he has recognized and that he wants better for his own children. Very emotionally abusive. And um, some of that I'll take responsibility for and some of it I won't, right? Like that's a tough situation. So the sex with him was – fine like child sex it was not like grown-up sex you know like (laughs) it it wasn't anything that's going to make you scream in a good way that's for sure um and then it's funny because i really did love my my long term my three-year boyfriend in college i really did love him like intensely and when we broke up it was heartbreaking and devastating but prior to that we hadn't had like mind-blowing sex but we got back to get like i had this sort of existential experience after we broke up where i went out and i got really comfortable with myself and i tried other things um got a little more sexually adventurous and we got back together for like six months and and i remember the very first time we were having sex i asked him to bite my nipples and he goes what are you serious like he was so, and I said, "Yeah," and, he, and I said, "No, do it harder." And he was like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> <laughs> and that was probably the first time in my whole life that I've ever gone. No, I think I want this thing, and I want you to do this thing to me, and felt mm. comfortable enough to ask for it. And I'll give him credit for being somebody I was comfortable enough to ask for credit. And that obviously relationship ended. He was a nice enough guy. When you say you went out and had some experiences and got a little more adventurous, what does that mean? What does adventurous mean to you? Well, nothing like what it means to some people, but just (laughs) um, where I would let somebody try to bite my nipples, right? Like just I I was more willing to try new things and be more expressive and start to learn what actually felt good and, and start to pay attention to it. Really, I don't know. Uh, really, my sex life has been very boring. I'm probably not a great candidate for your show. <laughs> You're doing awesome. <laughs> the The issue is not the most extreme story. The issue is real stories. And these are real stories. I get so many messages from listeners saying, 
thank you for the show. I've listened to the whole back catalog and it's helped me completely transform my sex life. Are you one of those people? If so, I'd love to have your support so I can keep growing this show and bringing a new vision of sexuality to the world. If you haven't done it yet, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. I know the podcast industry does not make reviewing a show easy. So go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls, and it should lead you through the process of posting a review. I'd love to get 100 reviews by the end of the year, and I could use your help. And if you have the financial resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be so grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. And... I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are now either illegal or heavily legislated. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And speaking of Patreon... There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free for everyone to listen to. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access it. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a contributor, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. What was your relationship like with your body during uh, these early years, high school and college? It's a really great question. I sure wish it had been as awesome as it should have been given the way my body looked. Right? <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Like now that I'm, you know, almost 45 and a little pudgy, um, I'm like, I fucking looked so good. Why did I not love every bit of myself? Now, I will say I had a breast reduction when I was 15. And prior to that, like it was a game changer for me. Prior to that, I was a little shy and quiet, which I am not. And (laughs) uh, I wore really big baggy clothing because I didn't want anybody. I mean, I weighed... 114 pounds and they took five pounds of breast tissue out whoa and so i didn't want anybody to see the figure and i can remember i was 15 when i had the breast reduction so i was a sophomore in high school and then after the surgery i was like let me get in a bikini let me like let's show you what i got i look good right um so it was not bad i didn't hate my body i didn't think i was ugly or gross or fat. And I wasn't, but I didn't love my body. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's just uh, pause at the breast reduction for another minute. Um, Because I frankly have never talked to anyone who had one before. Um, How did it affect your sensation, your breast sensation going forward? Thankfully, it didn't. 
they warned me that there was a really strong possibility that I would have little to no sensation. And I think up until that point, I, again, I was 15. I hadn't really had any anyway, like even though I'd, <laughs> you know, done some things. I didn't have anything to compare it to, but they're very sensitive. What's, and I, and I have scars underneath and up and around. And so I had these, my breasts were enormous. I had these nipples that were the size of silver dollars. Mm. And so you can't keep that because that would be the size of the entire new breast, right? And you guys can't <laughs> see us. We can see each other. I'm like making a circle and putting it on my breast. It's great. Um, so they are asymmetrical. Because they had to cut them down uh-huh. um, and they don't, they're not the same shape. And I have these scars, which I don't notice anymore. But my first boyfriend in college, the emotionally abusive one, used to tell me and his friends how gross my scars were. Oh, no. But nobody since then has, they're not, it, it's not noticeable. It's not a problem. And I mean, it's been 30 years. So the scars are still there, but they're not aggressive. Yeah, he did. That was, that was humiliating. Yeah. He was not a nice person. Doesn't sound like it. Um, so how does a 15-year-old end up getting breast reduction surgery? Because it seems quite young. So was it something that you were going for? Was it something a doctor recommended to you? How did that happen? It was absolutely something I wanted. I had terrible back pain, um, creases in my shoulders from my bra strap, and the doctor recommended it. I wanted it. And it's funny, my stepdad at the time was like, this is a terrible idea. Like, I would not make my penis smaller if it were too big. Like, why would a girl oh do God. this? He literally said that. Um, but he's like, whatever. And the insurance company paid for 100% of it. My parents never paid a dime out of pocket for it because it showed medical need. And it literally, it really changed my life. Mm-hmm. It absolutely gave me courage and comfort with myself in ways that I could never have imagined. Yeah. I'm glad that you got to have that. And I'm, even though 15 sounds really young, I'm really glad that you had it at that point in your life. So you didn't have to go through another bunch of years suffering. Yeah, me too. And, and, you know, I don't know that I don't think you have children. Um, and I if don't. you do, okay. So really girls stop growing about a year after they start their period. Hmm. Um, and so I started my period at 12. It was done growing by 13. They make you wait another couple of years to you're as grown as you're going to get. Like at that point, you're just going to get whiter. You're not going to get, t- you know, taller or any mm-hmm. of that stuff. So um, it was a completely, from a growth standpoint, a completely appropriate time, maybe emotionally, mentally, not so much, but it was great for me. Well, I, thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so we've talked about college. Um, <laughs> now moving forward, um, what happened next? I, again, I, I dated, I slept with people off and on. And then I met my um, my ex-husband and we had super vanilla sex. And then I came out like there's not, we had four babies. <laughs> I can tell you the date and time all four of my kids were conceived. That's not even a joke if that tells you anything. Oh, wow. And so I can't remember anything. Sex. Remember, yeah, like my memory <laughs> sucks, but I remember that. So, um, how old were you when the two of you got together? When we first got together, twenty six. Mm-hmm. And how long did the two of you last? It, by the time we were officially divorced, it was fifteen years. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. And so was he uh, was he happy with your sex life? No. Mm-mm. Does he want more? Yeah, but he didn't ask for more. I didn't ask for more. We just didn't with each other. It was just not a healthy, comfortable relationship. We tried. Once I came out to him and we started going to therapy, we tried being more communicative and, you know, filling each other's needs. It just didn't work. We didn't fit Mm. well together. What was sex like when you did have it? Hopefully quick. Mm. That was always my goal. Can it just be quick? To his credit, uh, it always started with him going down on me and I would have an orgasm and then he would insert his penis and then we would be done. Right. But I I did always get off. So there Mm -hmm. was always that. He wasn't selfish in that way. Mm -hmm. So at what point and under what circumstances did you recognize that there was maybe something else going on? So this is where I'm going to go. We're going to keep this episode anonymous. Um, I was at a routine medical appointment and one of the women working there, I walked in the room and I looked at her and I was like, oh my God, I got to have sex with this woman. And I just hardcore pursued her. I was married, hardcore pursued her. Um, We had a very hot two week relationship and then we sort of stayed friends. I mean, it was hot. Holy shit. And, and was that the first time that you ever did anything with a woman? Other than other the girl than that the I didn't remember girl. from when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what was that first time like? Absolutely incredible. Absolutely. It was hours and hours long of exploration. And um, it was the first time that that anyone had like checked in with me about what I liked and what I didn't like or where I was aware enough of what I liked and what I didn't like, all the, all the things worked. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. And so that lasted for a couple of weeks. That was it. A couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I was regulated to a life of wanting what I knew it was awesome and couldn't have after that. Um, Cause it was a, a few more years before I actually, it was a year before my husband found out and then, a couple more years before we decided to actually get a divorce. So how did he respond when he found out? Was he like, Oh, so that's what's going on. Oh, he was pretty or, pissed. He was, yeah. he was pretty, he was pretty violently angry. Um, I, you know, his wife cheated. I can't be mad at him for that. I understand. Um, but then he was okay. And of course, you know, you, <laughs> well, not everybody, but a lot of people, I hear this story a lot. It's easier to start by <laughs> like, oh, I'm done by. It's okay. I want you both. It's fine. Yeah. Which wasn't the truth, but it's like, it's okay. You can, you can still be wanted. Um, we tried really hard to work it out. That was when we tried. So you came to out to him other. first as by. Yeah. He found out. He turned on my phone that was turned off and saw old text messages and found out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then lost his fucking mind. So when you told him you were by. Was that with the anticipation that maybe you would be able to have continue a relationship with him and have something with a woman? Not at that time. Uh, in the after several months, a year, he started to say, "Well, you know, it's not so much about the sexuality. You can you can do this if I know or if I'm included or you know things like that. Um, you can do that, but." 
It just wasn't enough. Because mm. it's not about sex. Mm-hmm. Your, sexu- your, your sexual orientation isn't about that physical act of sex. So. Yeah. So at what point did you decide you couldn't do it anymore? So we got involved with a, a, a couple, a lesbian couple. The, so it was the four of us. And um, and they were open to him being in the room? They were. Mm-hmm. Um, which he did for a while, and then he didn't. He realized it wasn't going to work for him. It was – did. It, there were a lot of things that, again, I wouldn't change or trade any of my life experiences, but it was a very stressful time of my life. And while there was a lot of great sex, there was an awful lot of great sex going on. Pleasing three partners is just too fucking much. Mm-hmm. And I was the epicenter. Mm-hmm. I was the one that everybody wanted. It's a lot of pressure. So when when I decided to go through with the divorce, I ended that relationship as well. I was like, well, God, I got to be all done with everything. Mm-hmm. Um. So when the four of you were together, was it a foursome? Was it couple swapping? Like, how did that work? Sometimes it was like all four engaged in one sort of cohesive activity. And sometimes it would be congruent to people and then swapping. Mm-hmm. It, were the lesbians open to swapping to be with your husband? Yeah, they Interesting. Did. I was about the only one that didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd been on that ride a bunch of times already. <laughs> I really don't like penises. <laughs> so once you came out and were like actually out and out of the marriage – how how did you move forward? Because that's because you have kids. Mm-hmm. Like you're not just a single floating person out there in the world. You have a, a presumably a life and a a community and all of that. How did that work for you to transition your identity? It worked fine. I accidentally outed myself on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Um, and everyone knew. And when that happened, my my partner. Um, who we'd I'd been sort of peripheral friends with from a work standpoint, reached out and said, "Hey, did did I see this thing? Did this? Did you just come out on Facebook? And you know, if you need a friend or whatever, we started to talk. And she was going through some of her own things, and um, that relationship just sort of blossomed. And then that's years and years ago. And she's amazing. So, what is sex like with your current partner? It's really great." It's really um, intuitive and sometimes it's really soft and tender and sometimes it's really aggressive and borderline painful, but in the right ways. Uh, we do a really nice job of communicating our needs well with one another and it's never, ever mediocre ever. Mm. I take it it's a lot more frequent than it was with It is. Husband. I mean, life, it's a lot more frequent than that. It, life, it's not as frequent maybe as she would like it to be. Because life is busy and when I am, my brain is full, I have a really hard time closing that down mm-hmm. to open it up. Um, but I mean, it's still pretty regular. It's not, it's, it's, it's not like once a quarter or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I want 
want to invite you to imagine for a moment what your ideal sex life looks like and feels like. Who are you with? What type of sex do you have together? How do you feel while touching them? And how does your body feel when they touch you? Or maybe you'd like to be having less sex than you're currently having. If you don't know, or if that vision of your ideal doesn't look at all like what's currently going on in your bedroom, I can help. With personalized sex and intimacy coaching, we'll explore where you are, how you got here, where you want to be, and the steps to help you get there. There are no right or wrong answers, just the answers that work for you. I understand that exploring your sexuality and all that goes with it, your body image, your belief in your lovability, and more can be terrifying. Believe me, I sat in the middle of that fire for decades. I know how painful it is. But I also stepped out the other side, stronger, more confident, and more certain of my lovability and desirability. And I want the same for you. I work with couples and one-on-one, whether you've never explored your sexual desires before, or you want to explore things you've never done before, like maybe BDSM or non-monogamy, or if you and your partner need some help figuring out how to communicate together so you can have better sex. I'm queer, kinky, and poly-friendly, and I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. Together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. A new client recently said that before her discovery call, she was extremely nervous, but that I made the experience feel easy and comfortable. So book your free discovery call today at leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. And now it's time for the lowdown, the things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have sex during your period? Uh, Ish. (laughs) What does that mean? We will do some things, but no insertion because I just can't handle the mess. Otherwise, as long as there's not going to be a, a blood flow situation, then yes. And does that go both ways? Yeah. Is she still getting her period as she well? She is younger than me, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's the approximate number of sexual partners you've had? I literally don't know. Uh, 40, 50? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you prefer clit stimulation or penetration? Clit stimulation for sure. Um, instantly followed with penetration. But I've never had, I don't think I've ever had an orgasm from penetration. Oh, okay. I don't think. So probably not, right? If you think Mm -hmm. you have it, you probably haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny. The next question is, can you orgasm from intercourse strap-on sex alone without any other? Mm -mm. But I really like it. But I like Mm -hmm. it as a Mm follow-up. 
Do the two of you tend to use strap-ons or um, hand toys? What, what do you Either use? hands themselves or strap-ons, yeah. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite way to orgasm during sex? I feel like I'm so vanilla to say this, but I just really, really like straight-up oral sex. Like, I just mm-hmm. really like it a lot. I don't think there's anything vanilla about that. That's what you like. (laughs) Heather, thank you so much for being here and having this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun talking with you. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's really been a lot of fun for me too. I can't wait to go out there and have her ask all the questions. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be curious to hear whether you have really great sex tonight after all your I know, right? I'm literally sitting here thinking like, can I? Should I? Will I? Yeah. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at goodgirlstalk for more sex-positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go... I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs> <laughs>